The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. Then before we even go anywhere this morning, I believe our churches will become much louder when we realize just how great the cross is and how dead our sins are. The church has been asleep for way too long. I know that Garth Brooks sold out Greensboro Coliseum for five straight we- five straight nights. I guarantee you that place was loud. Guys, so the church must become louder, and it will come, become louder when we realize just how powerful the cross is. You say, I'm so thankful for salvation. Are you? Are you thankful for salvation? And, and, and today what we're going to share with you is what I believe is the second greatest truth that a person must submit to in their life. Just as salvation is a choice, a salvation in our life is something that we have to surrender our life to. We have to choose and accept that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was a complete work, giving us new life and a new hope. And today we talk about, I believe, the second greatest truth that a person must choose and surrender their life to. And that is a life of generosity because it is not, please hear me, it is not a natural reaction of human beings to be generous. It's just not. As I've enjoyed this series so far, how many of you are reading this book, The Blessed Life? How many, like six of you are reading this book Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but we had a very generous friend of ours here at this church buy 500 of these books, and we are giving them to you. And so if you have not gone by the What's Next table, there's a whole stack of them. You need to get your book today. Like somebody who does not have a book yet, right here. You're in the front row. Here you go. You don't even have to go by there. And here's what else we're doing. Tonight at 6 p.m., just about five minutes from here, we have a house that has been graciously opened up. We have a small group based off of the blessed life that's going to run for only three weeks. Three weeks only. And that is a wonderful opportunity for those of you who know that you want to get into some kind of community. Like you have no idea who most of these people are. And you're like, man, this church is just getting a little too big for me. I wish I could know a couple of people. We're running a three-week small group just five minutes down the road. It starts at 6 p.m. tonight, and it's based off of this Blessed Life book. The leader of this, I promise you, it may be one of the best small groups that we start from here on out. It's going to be that powerful. If you want more information about that small group that starts tonight at 6 p.m., the What's Next table, Pastor Brent Bennett is going to be out there. He will get you directions. Let me go ahead and just say it's at Pastor Bradley's house. And he has some good food at his house for his small group. So if you don't even care about small group, if you don't even care about community, if you don't care about the blessed life, if you don't even want to be generous, but you want to continue to be a taker, go take some of his food because he's got a lot of good. Good. He's a wonderful cook. He is. I think he said tonight he's cooking steak for the 6 p.m. small group. Lobster is next week. And then it's a surprise for the next. But hey, listen, let's get serious for a second. Let me get real spiritual. God wanted you here this morning. He did. He wanted you in this place this morning to hear this message that He has laid on my heart. He wanted me here today. 
to deliver this message to you because I gave him every opportunity to take me out of the ball game Friday. I went with a friend riding dirt bikes up in Brown Mountain. I gave God every opportunity to take me out. And so I know that this is a divine appointment between you and I and what God is going to share. Listen, I have a couple broken ribs. All right, They didn't puncture the lung yet. Um, but God and His divine power has us here for this moment. Seriously, I was joking about the broke ribs, but the lung is a little messed up. So anyway... You're here for a reason today. And I believe, as I have already said, this is the second greatest truth that you will have to surrender your life to. Because living a generous life, having a lifestyle of generosity, does not come natural for any one of us in here. Not one of us. And so today, and as we teach about generosity as we develop small groups that can allow you to go and have further discussion about a generous life, I want you to hear me. We talk about giving, we talk about finances, we talk about money here, and it's only because of this, and Andy Stanley said it best. He said, we do not want something from you. He said, we want something for you, and that is our cry to you. This is like your first or second time. Maybe you've been coming three weeks in a row and you're like, man, they're three weeks in a row talking about money. Listen, we don't want your money. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. And what we want for you is this. I got an email from a dear friend at this very church just this week. And I'm just going to read you just a small excerpt of this email. And this is what we want for you, church. This friend of mine said this. She said, I am so blessed. I finally realized that it's not that I can't afford to tithe. The real truth is I can't afford not to tithe. I can't read you all the email because it gets very descriptive. But life has been happening all around my friend. And just over the last few weeks, God has been working in my friend's life to be real. My friend put it best. I cannot afford not to be obedient. And so I want you to hear my heart. I don't want you to hear Andy Stanley's. I don't want you to hear my friends. I want you to hear my heart. This morning I want you to hear this. That I do not, our staff and our leadership team, we do not want our church to profit because of your money. You hear me? What I want and what our team wants is we want our community to prosper because of your generosity. Pastor Bradley just said it best. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do (coughs) about this community? What are we going to do about this world? You see, your generous lifestyle does not affect this church. Because we are not consumers. We do not hoard. We're not trying to gather as much as we possibly can. What we at this church are doing 
is we're trying to outgive the God of everything, which is an impossibility. But that is our goal. And if you want to call my bluff, our staff's bluff, our team's bluff, go for it. But let me tell you something. The God's Word says very clearly that your tithe, last week we talked about our very best, our first, must go to the church. Look it up in Malachi chapter 3. And so if you want to call our bluff, I tell you, please find another church who loves Jesus who loves His kingdom, you find another church who absolutely is dead set on finding lost people and sharing Jesus with them, and you give them your very best. Because in the very end of all of this, we still win because we're on the same team. And that's not just a bunch of hype, church. I want to see a bunch of obedient people being blessed by God. And if you read this book, by Robert Morris, you will read over and over, he says this, we do not give to get. We give so that we can continue to give. We give to give, church. And that's my heart's cry this morning. I believe we can pack it up and go, well, it's not lunchtime yet, but hey, Pastor Bradley may have something at his house. That's my heart's cry this morning. Acts chapter 20, we're going New Testament this morning. We run across a guy by the name of Paul. Whew, man, my lung is messed up. I'm out of breath. Got any nurses in the house? Raise your hand. None, I'm in trouble. Whew. Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul. He's in Turkey, modern day Turkey. If you look it up on a map, he's in the very far western side of Turkey. He's in a little town, a city called Miletus. And he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And if you read through Acts chapter 20, which I encourage you to do, you'll see that earlier on in Acts chapter 20, he says that the Holy Spirit is guiding him to go back to Jerusalem. Paul says, I know that prison and hardship and maybe even death awaits me there. So he knows that he's getting ready to probably go experience some pretty difficult times, probably even death. Okay? And so he is there, and he says, you know what? Man, I love the people of Ephesus. And I remember spending several years there with them, and I need to address the elders of the Ephesus church, the Ephesian church. I need to say one last thing to them before I probably go off and die. And so Paul is in Miletus, and he says, you know what, I need someone to go. I need someone to go to Ephesus and bring back the elders because I need to just share my heart. you got to understand, 35 miles north is where Ephesus is, and it's on the west coast of Turkey as well. Now, those elders probably could have taken a boat, but more than likely they walked. I mean, you know the hassle, right? You're in between, like, do I fly or do I, do I drive one of those things? They could have gone by boat, but, you know, you have to show up at the dock like two hours early. you got to go through those long security lines, and they're, they're just they're a pain. you got to take your belt and your shoes off before you get on the boat. And then you got to go through the life jacket thing. 
And then once they got down to Miletus, they probably would have had to rent a car to get to where Paul was. And they said, you know what, hey, let's just walk. And so they probably walked 35 miles down to where Paul was. They said, I don't know what Paul is getting ready to share with us, but it must be important. And so let's go and see what Paul has to say. And I want to tell you, when I studied this over the past several weeks, as I was reading this, I said, man, this is amazing that this is what Paul wanted to leave his beloved people of Ephesus with. Let's just pick it up in Acts chapter 20. We'll pick it up around verse, uh, let's say 32. Paul's speaking to the people he loves dearly. I'm going to probably go to Jerusalem and die, and so this is what I want you to hear me say. Paul says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 20, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. Verse 31, he says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands, you have a Bible, maybe you want to underline these hands, we'll get back to that in a second. He says, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. Verse 35. He says this, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said. Now let's just stop there. I know the words are on the screen, but pretend you didn't read forward. When I read through this, I was like, I cannot believe Really, Paul, I cannot believe that this would be the last thing that you would say to these people that you love. I went through just a list and only wrote down four things that I think Paul could have said, hey, you Ephesian elders, listen, because I love you so much, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Like, Paul, why didn't you say, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, love one another? I mean, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? But he didn't say that to them. He could have said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, forgive as I forgive. But he didn't say that either. He said, or he could have said this. He said, hey, I want you to have childlike faith. I'll just tell you just for a second, our week in Thailand, oh, it was a very tough week. I thought Pastor Bradley was dying of Ebola, no joke. Um, but I was going down with him. We shared room. But my heart was broken for little children. And God has taken me to a place with children and children's ministry that I've never been in my ten years of ministry. It's true when Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Hey church, we better let the little children come unto us. Because those little children are taking Jesus back to their homes and parents are being set free. Jesus could have said, hey, have childlike faith and you're going to be okay. He could have said something like this, hey, you Ephesian, you elders, those of you I love so much, don't be afraid. Do not fear. He could have said that and it would have been justifiable. But this is what the Apostle Paul said 
to those people that he loved. This is what he said. Listen. He said, I want you to remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to what? Than it is to... That's what he left them. It's like Paul's last message. And he said, hey guys, of all that you've heard me say and all that you've seen me do, please remember what Jesus said. It is better, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why don't you just let that soak in for just a second? See, the Apostle Paul, he knew the truth. You see, the Apostle Paul had been there and done that. He had had everything in his former life. He knew the truth because he came face to face with the truth. If you ever go back and read through the New Testament, you understand that the Apostle Paul came face to face with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And something right there so powerfully changed his life that becoming a generous man was very important to Paul. You see, Paul went from being a very angry man to a man of peace. Paul went from a man who was very selfish and self-centered to focus solely on other people. He went from a man who knew no joy to becoming a man that was overflowing with joy all because he encountered the truth. So some of us here today, you hear this message, you read these Scriptures, you know because we've been pressing in on you for the last three weeks that we are to be very generous people. That we are to be people who give our very best But you say to yourself this morning, well, how do I do that? And the truth of the matter is this, you cannot do it. You cannot hear some good message. You can't hear some great worship music. You can't even be here during an inspirational time of giving and leave this place any different than you came in. You see, what happened to the Apostle Paul has to happen to the people of the church. Now, I'm not going to assume that every one of us in here know Jesus Christ as our Savior. That would not be a good assumption. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, listen, this message is not for you. But I want you to listen on because this is what God expects from those of us who surrender lives to Jesus. And some of you that aren't there yet, listen, you can help keep us accountable. But the thing that happened to Paul must happen to the people of the church. He said, I believe across the board in America, there are a lot of churches filled with people, good, wonderful, loving people who have never had a true encounter with Jesus. Because you see, when you encounter Jesus, all of this totally changes. It radically changes. 
And I believe one of the things that changes the most is that we sometimes go from very selfish, we're takers, we try to gather as much as we possibly can, but when we encounter Jesus, there is something that is done only by the power of the Holy Spirit that takes our hands from this and somehow does this. You see, it's not the preacher, it's not the church, it's not the mission, it's not the vision, it's the Holy Spirit crushing our hearts and helping us to finally see whether we're seven or seventy. The Holy Spirit helps us to see that this life is not about us. And somehow we just become very generous people. Paul said it's so much better to give than it is to receive. See, there's a couple of passages of Scripture that Jesus says. Some of you want to look this up a little later. It just comes from Matthew chapter 16. And it's in verse 25 where Jesus is talking. And this is pretty cool. Just a little side note. Where Jesus was when he was saying this is a little place called Caesarea Philippi. It's a mountain area, very far north part of Israel. I was there just about a month ago, and it's a real place. As soon after Jesus said, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, you know that? That Jesus says this, and for those of us in here, who truly do desire a lifestyle of generosity. I believe these are the first steps in making it happen. In allowing the Holy Spirit to crush our hearts. See, Jesus says this. Matthew 16, verse 25. This is hard. You can't do this. And so maybe some of you right now, you maybe just want to close your eyes. For those of you who, who long to be generous people, maybe you just want to close your eyes right now and allow the Holy Spirit who is in this place to take you where you can't go yourself. You see, Jesus says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. He goes on and he says, what good, like, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? And so church, this morning, I'll just ask the question, Church, what good is it if we live stingy, selfish, hoarding, focused on gathering as much kind of lives? What good is it? But I believe the opposite of that is true. We will see God do unbelievable things if we are willing to give it all away if we're willing tomorrow morning to wake up 
and say, God, you show me who needs my generosity. God, who needs to experience a life that is willing to give it all up? And God, if I have it and someone else needs it, then it's theirs. I know that's contrary to the American way. But it is dead on to the Jesus way. My papa, who passed away in 2000, he was a man educated far beyond his seventh grade education. He was so wise and said so many things that I see now that are just blowing my mind. He said years ago, he said, Scott, you're better off with nothing. I said, how could that be? But I see today that there's just so many things that get in our way. There's so many things that I still have in my life that could benefit someone else. That's why he said, you're better off with nothing. Some of you may know a guy by the name of Christopher Wallace. I think it's pretty funny what he said. He said, you have more money, you have more problems. But there's this lady. This lady by the name of Helen Limmel. Back in 1992, I think she said it best. She she said this. She said, turn your eyes upon Jesus she said look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace things of this world will grow strangely dim. And our life will no longer be about us taking, but our life will become about us giving. I'd like for everyone to bow their heads this morning. Here in this place today, the only one that can make this happen is here. God's Holy Spirit is present in this place. And it's wonderful. And there are some of us in here today who have surrendered our life to Jesus and we long for an encounter that will help us be generous. Here's what I want to do. You've surrendered your life to Jesus already, but today you're wanting to make a stand and you're wanting to say, I need the Holy Spirit to break my life so that I can have a lifestyle of generosity. That is what I long for. Holy Spirit, I need that. Today, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you, would you stand? Scott, I want to live a life of generosity and I need someone greater than myself to help me. Here's the deal. There are people standing up. Don't you stand up just because people are standing up. You are making an oath, taking a step. You are 
basically drawing a covenant between you and God today saying, break my life because I want to be abnormally generous in this place. See, there's no magical prayer. There's no magical prayer. There's no routine that we need to say. There's nothing that we need to do other than say, God, you know my heart. I am a blessed person and I want to be a radical giver. Your generosity is going to change this community. Here in just a second, I'm going to walk off stage. There may be someone here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never said that I need a Savior. I need rescuing. I need to be forgiven of my sins. And I need this relationship with Jesus that you always talk about. If that's you today, Pastor Brent and I are going to be in the very back of this auditorium. And we want to pray with you. And we want to help you take those next steps. Because surrendering your life to Jesus is the greatest thing that you will ever do. And the second greatest thing that you ever do is what many of these have done in here today. They have surrendered to the truth that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. I thank you for the truth that your Holy Spirit is speaking to those who boldly stood here today. God, will you just continue to rain down your blessings as we live our life with a wide open hand. God, we do know that this world is in need. And you have for some reason chosen us. You've chosen us for this place and this time to be people of generosity. God, here we are. Send us. And Jesus, we will always, always sing praises to your name. Jesus, we love you.